All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the game of the day, brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. Uh, join in the holiday cheer, and I think everyone did. You can... Uh, Still fill up that Ram 1500 uh, with toys for the Salvation Army. Just stop in, say hi at the north end of St. Albert Trail. Uh, check out stalbertdodge.com uh, for all your Dodge Ram deals. Uh, let's welcome in Brett Hedekin from the San Jose Sharks. Uh, analyst, uh, Brett, thanks for uh, coming back to Sports 1440. Good morning and uh, happy holidays to you. Hope you had a great Christmas season so far. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. I yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, having a good uh, holiday season and you know, clearly the Sharks would be a lot uh, more fun if we were winning more games. But, you know, this is where they are right now, kind of in a rebuild situation. And, you know, you just got to kind of try to pick out the good things that are happening with this team. And uh, other than that, but the holiday season, as you know, it's, it's always a good time of year. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, how was the game last night, Brett? You know, it's funny because, you know, right in that first period, I thought the Sharks came out. They got the lead, one nothing, and I thought they played a terrific first period. Second period, they started with the power play, about 25 seconds left on it. And they generated some, not so much on the power play, but after the power play ended, boy, a lot of zone time in the offensive zone, picked up where they left off in the first. And they make one simple mistake, trying to thread something into the middle from the blue line in the offensive zone over to the middle forward, who's kind of in the high slot. That puck turns over, and they go down and score. And shortly thereafter, they score another one, and then another one 13 seconds after that. And now you're looking up at the LA Kings 3-1, to one, and the Sharks were kind of reeling after that. But that's kind of been really the telltale sign here the last six games is that when you know they, things are going well and something happens, it just ends up in the back of the net, unfortunately, for the Sharks, and then they just can't recover. They can't find somebody to get out there and just stop the momentum. And uh, that's been kind of a, a real struggle here as of late. Brett Hedekin with us on Sports 1440. Uh, where are the Sharks uh, with the goaltending situation going in to tonight? Uh, what's up with Mackenzie Blackwood? Can you shed some light on that area? Yeah, Mackenzie last, uh, I guess yesterday when we landed in L.A., wasn't feeling good and then didn't. Um, they, they called up Chroma, Chroma mm-hmm. from the, the HL team and he filled in for Mackenzie Blackwood, and I don't believe he'll be probably in there tonight either. I think he's sick and will be out. I'm sure Kopp will cack, and then we'll go back into the Nets, I'm sure, tonight. And that's kind of what we're hearing, but uh, no confirmation yet. Yeah, how, how did uh, Kakinen look la- last night? You know what? He, he didn't look bad. I, I, I tell you, you know, his first part of the season, Kevin, was, was uh, interesting because he's come a long way, right? I mean, I think the last two years, he's, you look at the stats, I don't need to tell you. I mean, he was the worst goaltender in the NHL. It's right right there. I mean, you can see it. And he had a lot of work to do last year. And I know Thomas Spear, their goalie coach, you know, there were some tough conversations. And I know even with David Quinn, with Kapo Kakinen, some reality that he had to be set in. And give Kapo Kakinen some credit here. He, he, you know, took it to heart. He took some lumps, you know, maybe to his ego, and went back to the drawing board. I think over the course of the summer, he built – um, his body looks completely different this year. Training camp was incredible. I was like, this guy's a different goaltender. And then he got into the regular season, and just the first four games, five games, it just did not go well for him. But the thing I noticed about him this year is that his body language just looked different. And he got it back on the rails, and now he's won some games here. He's won five. He's what five, nine, and one on the season. You know, stats not great, you know, below 900 save percentage and, you know, above the three 
six one in goals against. But I'm going to tell you, the eye test is much better mm-hmm. uh, from my point of view. Watching Capo Kakinen, um, I think one goal, maybe I guess the one, a couple goals, maybe that he would want mm-hmm. back last night. But overall, early in the game, I think he was giving the Sharks an opportunity to to stay in the game, and and actually they all looked good early, like I mentioned. Brett Hedekin, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, Brett, we're Logan Couture. I mean, you can't miss a guy more than what they're missing with their captain, but can you kind of update uh, where they are with uh, with Couture? Yeah, Logan has that abdominal osteitis pubis uh, injury that he's been dealing with, and you know, I guess there's you know severity and grades that you can have in this. He had a real severe case, and um, I guess he's been on the ice now here the last couple weeks, you know, slowly ramping it back up. Um, it doesn't seem or doesn't sound like he's had any setbacks, so that's a good sign. And, and so hopefully Logan can continue to work himself back in there. I mean, if you can get Hurdle playing, continuing to play the way he has, and I tell you, he's been a bright spot this year for the Sharks. His body language has completely shifted, and he's been become a really great leader because he's had to be. I mean, he's had no Logan Couture, <clears throat> excuse me, no uh, Eric Carlson anymore. No Brent Burns or Joe Pavelski or Joe Thornton or you know Patrick Marlowe. I mean, Tomas Hurdle is the guy now, and, and he's really taken that with a lot of pride. He's picked up guys around him. He's made his line better. He's really been working with William Eklund, the young forward there for the Sharks, who's had a really, you know, a real upswing season here, kind of starting to learn how to become a good pro. He's had his ups and downs, but a lot more ups than downs, and I think there's a lot of bright spots there with William Eklund, but Going back to Couture, you know, you've got Hurdle, Mikhail Granlund playing probably the best hockey I've ever seen him play. Watched him play a lot for the Minnesota Wild uh, when he was there. Um, I, I just feel like this kid has, you know, taken the responsibility that the coaching staff has thrown on him. He's playing a lot of power play, uh, being the point man out there. Um, but he's playing a lot of minutes. He's kind of running with that role. And if you add Logan Couture in there, now you've got a Hurdle, Granlund, Logan Couture down the middle with Nico Sturm really injured right now. Um, he's out for a little bit of time. There was something happened with his wrist. So he's going to be out for a bit. But now you've got those four guys down the middle. It, it doesn't look too bad. You can stabilize. But Logan, without question, has been a big hole for the Sharks all season long. Brett Hedekin with us on Sports 1440. Uh, Brett, we had uh, Brian Benning on uh, oh, about two weeks ago. Of course, uh, his son Matt in San Jose, but out with uh, a little bit of a hip injury. And uh, what can you say about where where Matt is uh, because it's a little more serious, I think, than people are letting on to. Uh, what do you? What's your update there? Yeah, just last night I heard before the game that he went on the long-term uh, injured reserve. So yeah. I agree with you. I think there's it's a lot more serious than people are are you know are hearing at this point. Um, again, we we've heard that there could be the possibility and the potential of him being done for the year, but we don't know. And that's something that uh, we'll learn more as the next week or two comes along. But I I, I know. And the looks of it that I think went to long-term IR last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one for sure. Uh, Brett Hedekin with us. Uh, uh, how would you uh, assess how Thomas Hurdle's been playing this year, Brett? Well, you know, last night, uh, 34th game for him. Uh, he's got 27 points You know, going into last night's game. 12 of those are goals. Um, you know, I think this season started for Tomas Hurdle kind of a little bit of the way that it ended last year where body language wasn't that great. You know, you're, you're watching a guy that's, you know, making good money for the Sharks. But I felt, you know, at some point during that road trip, that first long road trip that we were on, I think he came to the realization either through David Quinn or his own realization of 
this has got to shift for him in his brain. He's got to find a way to, you know, not hang his head no matter what the situation is. He's now the leader. He's now the guy. And I think he's really done a masterful job of shifting his mindset, mm-hmm. shifting the way his attitude is daily, and the way he's conducted himself on the ice. I think he's had a terrific season, to be honest with you. I think maybe one of his better seasons in the, in, in the last few because of just that mindset shift for Tomas Hurdle. Now, you know, he's been playing with, you know, William Eklund and, and Philip Zadina. I mean, they're giving Zadina a shot up there. And, you know, arguably this guy is still trying to find his game in this league. I mean, I don't know. You know, he's a first-round draft choice, you know, by Detroit in 2018 out of the Czech Republic. You know, sixth overall in the first round in that 2018 draft. And I think a lot of expectations were thrown on Zadina. And uh, maybe unrealistic. I think he's still, as a 23-year-old, trying to find the things that makes him make him great. I, I don't know, you know, and, and I can say this honestly because I was there. I was a 23-year-old kid trying to find my game, trying to find what are the things that I do well. And then once you kind of locate that in that <laughs> mid-20 range, you better start being great at the two or three things that you're great at. And this is what you know Zadina needs to find in his game because. You know, right now, Hurdle, you know, he's got Eklund, and, and Eklund, like I say, is a young kid learning the game in the NHL at 21, and you got Zadina. So when you're, when you're looking at a, a couple of line mates that are still trying to, are young, you've got to give Hurdle so, a lot of credit here to kind of grind through that, yeah. knowing that he's working with some young players, and he's been finding ways to have putting points on the board. Hmm. Uh, when you came out of St. Cloud State, you know, you just kind of talk, talked about it, Brett, when you were a young guy, 21, 22 years old. What were the things that you had to learn so fast? And like, what was your uh, eye-opening experience when you, you, you made that jump? You know, you spent a little bit of time in the minors, but it was pretty quick for you, right? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things I had to learn. You know, I think there's the physical side of, of you know, dealing with going, you know, from a college hockey environment to the NHL where you're playing a lot more games per week, uh, a lot more demand, a lot more physical, bigger bodies that you're leaning into. So the physical side is just one aspect. I think the other aspect that I had to learn is the mental side of learning how to control really my mental TV and understanding, you know, what are those things that I'm good at? And, and it really took me getting, you know, beat around mentally in my first few years in St. Louis to finally get traded to Vancouver you know, under Pat Quinn, I, I, I really th- I felt like I thrived because he took me under his wing and he was the first coach that really said, you know, Brett, we're just going to break you down and teach you how to play the game of defense at this level. And he did it in a way where he built up my confidence back. And then I started to learn really the two or three things that I needed to be great at every night. One was be unbeatable one-on-one, right? I, I, I took a lot of pride in my defense, knowing that if I was going to take a guy like Connor McDavid down on me, I dare you. You know, and I would actually say that to myself. I effing dare you to try me one-on-one. And you have to have that mindset of knowing that this is your number one role as a defender in this league is to be unbeatable one-on-one, whether it be out of the corner, whether it be a guy coming down on you on a, on a one-on-one situation or a three-on-two or a two-on-one. Yeah. A two-on-one, I see guys fail every night in the National Hockey League that do not play two-on-ones appropriately, not recognizing left-hand shot, right-hand shot, who's got the puck, who's the receiver. That has to happen in a split second, and you have to start to read those plays instantaneously. Mm-hmm. So being unbeatable one-on-one, there's a lot that unravels under that, but that is one of the things that I started to learn and be great at every night, and I simplified it in a way where 
boy, I stepped over the ice. Just be unbeatable one-on-one. The second thing, be a great passer. You know, what makes me, what would make me a good uh, passer? Well, to anticipate who's open before I get that puck. So when I do go, when I do get that puck, where can I go with it? Those are really the two things that I tried to rely on a lot my last 10 years, 12 years of my career. And it it helped me play a long time in this league because I didn't try to do more than I was capable of doing. I focused on those two things that really made me good. That must drive you nuts, Brett, when you see, you know, the young defenseman or or even a even a veteran or whatever that does doesn't have that awareness when you when you're talking about left hand right shot coming on a two on one. It must just sometimes you go, man, what are you thinking? Well, I see it. I mean, I can watch highlights every yeah. night, and the problem you see this with two on ones with players and even older, like you say, veterans and young players, is that every time you go out and warm up. Every guy, every team in the league does this drill where you pass the puck out and two guys swing left and right over the top of the circle or up, at the, up in the neutral zone to come back on you in a two-on-one. Every game day, you've got opportunity to, to keep looking at left-hand shot, right-hand shot as a practice session, as a, as a recognition to know where those, that opportunity is, how I can be more aggressive on it. Let's say I'm a defenseman. The puck is on my left-hand side as they're coming down towards the goalie. If he's a right-hand shot, that dang, that's a, a dangerous shot there from the inside, and it's a much harder pass. That means I can be more aggressive to the shooter, but I have to know where the receiver is. What is he? Is he a left-hand shot, right-hand shot? How do I need to play that? And if let's say he's a, a right-hand shot coming down my left side. Now that pass is more dangerous. Now I have to shade more towards the receiver and take that away. That recognition has to be done right away so you can relax you can keep your feet light. You can pick off passes with your feet. Your stick can be active. But if you're panicked and you're on a two-on-one and you're not recognizing these things in a, quick, in a split second, you're not going to be relaxed. You're going to be uptight, and you're going to make the wrong decision. You're going to leave your feet. And when you leave your feet at this level, guys like Connor McDavid are going to walk around you and bury it on you. So yeah. those are the things that, yeah, it does drive me crazy because <laughs> these are simple things. As a defenseman, you should be working on on a daily basis where you should perfect. Brett Hedigan with us on Sports 1440. Uh, Brett, our Thursday co-host is Ladislav Schmid. He's back in Czech, Czech Republic. He he doesn't like Czechia. He, we made that painfully clear earlier today. <laughs> uh, anyway, he's going to a game tonight in his hometown, I guess, where Yarmer Yager's playing. So Kladno's playing. Yeah. Uh, you would have played against Yager many, many times. So just what do you think about Yager still kind of, you know, he's 51 years old. I mean, it's a, it's a remarkable story, isn't it? Crazy. I mean, uh, I can't imagine going out there right now. At, well, I'm 53, so I mean, him being 51, just a couple years younger, he was the most dominant player that I had played against ever. And, you know, when in early in his, and for Pavel Bure, clearly a teammate for 10 years, I mean, people don't realize, or maybe they do, how great he was. I mean, he, he was Connor McDavid like, where he could dominate a game like he does. Uh, but getting back to Yager, uh, he was the first guy that when I went against him in the corner, and he put his backside against me and, you know, almost reverse hit me and then gave himself some time and space to make a play with the puck. That's when I realized that, holy cow, I got to get stronger. <laughs> I mean, that, that was the reality punch to the nose that said, oh, man, if this is the type of player that if I want to win a cup someday and I'm going to have to play against guys like this, you have to give yourself some tough medicine to know that you better get heck of a lot stronger to be able to handle guys like that in the corner on a one-on-one, or if not, you can't handle it physically, you better position your body and be good with your stick enough to take the puck away because 
you know, that was the main goal of mine is, you know, if I want to win a cup, what do I got to do to get there yeah. mentally, physically? And a guy like Yager was a guy that was really the one player that I played against that I said, wow, this is another level of strength that I need to get to. Was it just as, um, like, when he put his butt against you, like, how did he leverage it? Like, how did that work when he was when you were trying to, oh, yeah. to defend him, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. And you can even watch Hurdle. Hurdle's doing a wonderful job of doing the same sort of thing is when you're going into the corner against him, and first of all, another thing that drives me crazy is defensemen that go straight in on a guy you know, into the corner. I mean, you definitely I, I would pick the inside and force him away from the net. Where did Gretzky want to go? Well, he, Gretzky wanted to go behind the net with the puck, and there's a reason why. It's dangerous. Why do I want to let a guy get behind there? So I would choose the inside first. But if I went against a guy like Yager and, and I was in the corner with him, he would engage you first. As you're coming into him, he would throw his, his, his ass, if you will, his butt <laughs> yeah. out at you and put it right in your midsection. And now you're stopped. You have no leverage. And now that gives him the time and space to be able to move that puck or cut off you. And if he cut on you and, and spun off you and went to the net, you were taking a penalty or he was getting a good scoring chance, if not putting in the back of the net. So um, that, that's the things that you learn from the great players that know how to separate themselves from a checker, give themselves the time and space to either move or move the puck, and and, and Yager was was brilliant at it. Do you, do you think he could feel you as a defender, kind of uh, where you were going by his? Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. That's exactly what they're trying to do. Sometimes it's you know it's the old uh, Top Gun. You're going to pull him in close. You're going to do what? <laughs> <laughs> you know that's uh, yeah exactly what Yager he, he pulls you in close, and you, and then next thing you know he throws his backside on you. He cuts left. He cuts right. Yeah. And uh, he's making a play on you. Um, you know, I just loved competing against guys like that because it really was that moment of, of truth that mm-hmm. it's showing you that, hey, you know, you want to be a, a good player or you want to play in a big moment in a, in a big hockey game, you know, like the Edmonton Oilers, Carolina Hurricanes back in the yeah. day in game seven, right? You want to be out there to close the game? Well, you better learn. And, you know, there's a reason why, that, you know, Roddy and uh, Eric Stahl and Justin Williams and me and Mike Commodore are out there to close the game out. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just – we had had the reps and we had had those moments of, of clarity of learning how to defend in, in those situations. We ended up getting it done. Oh, I mean, uh, we, we can talk about that 06 game on another time. That well, that well, the whole series, it was just remarkable. I mean, obviously, I would say your highlight, that's fair to say. That that game seven? Yeah. Or, uh, just, I know, just the whole series. The whole series, I, I, I yeah. Like, yeah, the whole series was great. I agree with you, Kevin. It was a, it was a terrific series. Um, I would say that you know, there was a real calmness in our room. Mm-hmm. I think throughout, even when, when we were up 3-1 to one and, and, and Edmonton came back to tie the series, um, even going into Game 7, there was a real, I don't know, a quiet confidence and, and humility knowing that, you know, we had done the work and that we were ready. Yeah. Um, and, and when I say humility, I mean that, that ability to know that, you know, we respected Edmonton, but we knew that we had, we had put in years of work. It wasn't like one summer or two summers. This is talking four years we played in a Stanley Cup final against Detroit, and we had them, you know, kind of shaking in their boots at a $130 million payroll, and we were a bunch of junkyard dogs at $25 million, yeah. you know. So uh, we, we knew from that point in 2002 to 2006, there had been a lot of reps in there, mental, physical, getting ready for the next moment of having that opportunity. And when that arose – and even game seven, we we were confident, and we and we got it done. Mm-hmm. You know, just a quick one, uh, Brett. So, you know, it's <laughs> Vancouver. When you were in Vancouver and went to the Cup final 
against the the Rangers. I mean, you you didn't play a lot of games that year because you were hurt. Is that correct? And then you played well all the playoff games. So just run a, run back to that year. Yeah. Well. Um, so my I came off the Olympic team in '92 and I turned pro and I played I think four games. I think Brian Sutter sat me out in game one against Chicago in the playoffs. We yeah. lost and so he put me in game two and I think I played the rest of the series. The following year, you got traded, I came right? into camp number one in St. Louis. And uh, as far as all-conditioned athletes in, in yeah. the camp, in the last preseason game, we're in Chicago, and I'm going down the left-hand side, and Stu Grimson sticks his leg out and tears my MCL. Okay. Uh, my last preseason game of the year, getting ready. And I was, that was my rookie season and was really ready to go. And I, it, was, it was a tough injury. I will say it was back in the day where they, you know, they brace your leg, and by the time I got back that whole year, my leg was probably half the size. Struggled my confidence the following year, still trying to get my game back. And uh, I think, you know, in a, you know, then I go sent to the minors and came back and, and, and finally got my 40th game. A contract turned into a one-way deal, and I never went back. But mm-hmm. from that point, you know, really never really had somebody to take me under the wing in St. Louis. And when I got to, to Vancouver, you know, Pat Quinn, just like I mentioned earlier, is just really was a great mentor to me and allowed me to kind of find my game and was patient enough to know that, hey, you know, you're a young kid. We, we see a lot of upside in you. And let's just start with the breakout pass. Let's just start with just being unbeatable one-on-one. And what are, some, what are those things look like? And so he kind of set me on that path. And really, you know, Jeff Brown and I, when we got traded together from the Blues to Vancouver, we never played together as partners in St. Louis. But when we got to Van, we became partners. And he's a right-hand shot. I'm a left-hand shot. And I'm going to tell you what, I mean, it was unbelievable getting passes from Jeff Brown on my tape, blowing by guys, you know, on the breakout. I mean, we just were a terrific tandem. And uh, it, it ended up working out really well for the Canucks because all of a sudden you drop two guys in your lineup, one who Jeff Brown is a phenomenal power play guy, an incredible vision, and just a really heads-up offensive defenseman. And, and then you put me out there that, was, I, that I could skate and do, all the, you know, hopefully the defensive side of things and move the puck. And we became a real good team that, you know, helped the team, you know, go to the Stanley Cup finals against the Rangers and, and lost in game seven. But uh, what a fun run that was. It was a really great time in my life to really kind of finally feel like, okay, I can, I, I think I can play at this level. I think I can contribute at this level. And I know that I want to continue to get better at this level. Mm-hmm. Well, just uh, wonderful stories uh, could go on and on. Uh, really appreciate you coming on, Brett. Uh, happy holidays to you, to you and your family and enjoy the game tonight. Uh, thanks for uh, coming on uh, today on sports 1440. Oh, you got it, Brett. All right, Kevin. Thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, that's Brett Hedekin, uh, San Jose Sharks analyst and our Game of the Day guest brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. Uh, they have 165 Ram 1500s all dressed up and waiting for you with an, uh, an incredible 20% off MSRP. That's a savings up to $14,000. When we come back, let's go in the community with Bobby O. Edmonton Under-15 Tournament uh, on at the Collingwood uh, Arenas. Uh, that's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 right after the break. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now to go in the community for United Sport and Cycle. Boxing Day week sale is on now. Scratch and save 10 to 60% off store-wide and site-wide. Time to get yourself uh, what you didn't get for Christmas uh, as we welcome in Bobby Oh, Bobby Olenek uh, from the Edmonton Invitational Under-15 Tournament of Champions. Uh, 
Bobby, thanks for hopping on here. Uh, season's greetings and Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that jazz. How's the tournament going so far, big guy? Well, uh, you know, we've only been into one day and, uh, you know, the teams are uh, having a little bit of fun and, you know, most of the games are competitive. We had a couple scores were a little extended, but I don't know if it's because of uh, too much turkey or too much time <laughs> off or the travel or whatever. You know, we have teams from Foothills, Alberta and uh, Calgary, Bow Valley, uh, Olds. So, mm-hmm. you know, that coming here, uh, you know, I think one of the best things about this tournament that we've held annually since uh, 1966, if you can wow. believe it. Holy cow. So if uh, you go back then, it was a whole different can of worms when it first started by the Maple Leaf Athletic Club. Uh, John Gaddens, a longtime life member, retired, passed on. And uh, Wayne Myers, who scouted for Portland and scouted for Pittsburgh Penguins and was there for a couple of Stanley Cups with them. And hmm. Now he's retired, and so these guys started that thing, and it actually only started back then. If there was only uh, four, there's still only four athletic clubs in Edmonton, but yeah. there was no bridges in Edmonton. So, <laughs> to like the, today, so each of the four athletic clubs had like a six-team house league that they played in, and at Christmas, whoever was the top team on December first got to play in the Henry Way tournament when it started. Hmm. So the four clubs played off in two or three day tournament, and that's where it all started. We're here where we are today now with the teams traveling from all over Alberta. Bobby O with us on uh, Sports fourteen forty. So you you've been involved since day one, right? Oh no, I, no? Well, I I know about it since day one. Let's put it this way: I've only been involved with these guys probably since for the last twenty years for oh, sure. Still a long because time because of my commitment to having a job. <laughs> for, for life sort of thing. You kind of had to work to make money to put groceries on the table. But, you know, I, I always helped out. I, I coached. When I coached, our teams uh, were very successful. I believe back in the uh, 77, 78, 79, 80, and there we won. Our teams, uh, we were East View and Boston Pizza. I think we won it about three or four years in a row. So we did quite well uh, coaching with myself and Percy Kozak and a few other guys. Elmer Benning was involved with us. Yes. Jim Benning and Brian and all these guys. So, you know, we had a, we had a good time at that time. And uh, I came and I kind of watched what these guys were doing. And I said, I'm going to get involved with these guys at Christmas mm-hmm. and help out. Before you know it, I'm chief cook and bottle washer. <laughs> Bobby Olenek is our guest on Sports 1440 as the Edmonton Invitational Under-15 AA Tournament of Champions is uh, underway at uh, Collingwood. Uh, I always give, catch myself, Bob, with saying Bantam. I guess it's, I'm sure. Oh, everybody does. Yeah, it's okay. You're same boat. Uh, but just some of the teams this year, uh, can you kind of discuss again, you touched on it off the top a little bit, but uh, all from all, or around Alberta and down south and everything, right? Yeah, so like we have uh, the Edmonton clubs. We have two from the Maple Leaf Athletic Club, two from the Knights of Columbus. We have one from the Southside Athletic Club. Uh, we have two from Spruce Grove, Canadian Athletic Club, Splatter Team. We have a team from St. Albert, like Olds, Foothills, Calgary, Bull Valley, and uh, Beaumont, uh, you know. Uh, so we have a wide variety of things, you know. There's a lot of history in this tournament. Mm-hmm. People don't really realize, but let me give you one quick tidbit here. There's yeah. a guy that plays for the Edmonton Oilers, number 57. James Hamlin. MVP of the tournament. MVP of the tournament in 2013. There's a tidbit for you. So 10 years ago, James Hamlin's playing in this tournament. was uh, the MVP, yeah. Okay, so then he went 
to Southside Athletic Club, played with... Uh, well, he was with them, yeah, yeah. and that, that's who he was playing with, yeah. Okay, so then was Stu Skinner in the tournament too? No, no, Stu Skinner never was in the tournament that I remember. Or He might have been in the tournament, let me put it that way. Okay. But I only was looking at uh, successful people that uh, <laughs> were winners in the tournament, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Seth Jarvis, who plays for the Carolina Panthers, mm-hmm. he was here from Winnipeg. And he was a top forward one year. Dylan Gunther, you've heard his name, yes. 14 Canada superstar. I believe, wasn't he the guy who scored the winning goal here a mm-hmm. couple of years ago in the gold medal game? Yeah. You know, uh, here's a real old one. 2003, Thomas Hickey played for the Calgary Royals, and they were here, and he was a top D. So he played many, many years mm-hmm. for the um, New York Islanders. Eh? Yeah. You know, so we've had a few. uh uh, I'm trying to think of who there's one more that I had. I kind of noticed when I was looking stuff up, trying to uh, give you a little. Oh, Bowen Byram, who plays for the California, California or Colorado. Colorado, yeah. He was with Leverage back in uh, 2015 or 2014, and he was the top D. So we've had some people here. Yeah. Uh, we've had Alaska here. We've had teams, I can remember one year, we had a team from Los Angeles, and it was 40 below zero outside, hmm. and the parents were all crazy. And they went and bought skates at Canadian Tire, and they went and skated outside on an outside rink at 40, 20 oh. 30 below. They had a ball. Wow. Uh, Bobby O with us on Sports 1440. Uh, you've probably seen him at a, a rink near you. A lot of times I run into you at Bill Hunter, although it's been a couple of years, Bobby. Um, the scholarships are a big thing with this tournament. Uh, what's that all about? So, like, today have the interview. So, each team uh, at, at the rink uh, entered in the tournament is allowed to nominate one player. And we're not, and we have three people that are independent that come in to interview these kids. So it's just like their first job interview. They're 14, 13, 14 years old. Eh? And um, they interview them and based on academic, athletic, uh, community involvement and stuff like that. I mean, the kids that have got the best marks, mm-hmm. they're always going to get a full, full, full slate of scholarships. So they kind of really uh, look at uh, these kids and, get a feel for them, try and make them a little bit easy and, and do about a 10 to 15 minute interview and committee that selects eight people and each player receives a thousand dollar scholarship that is good for eight years and we've written over the years probably close to 200 checks hmm. for scholarships to colleges all over the world. In fact, I can tell you a little story here when we first started it. Yeah. If I got a few minutes. Oh yeah. There was a kid um, from uh uh, White Court, and his name was uh, God. It even slays me to think about his name right now, but I'll remember it. And uh, <laughs> he came in, and when we this is the first year we started, so I kind of got into uh, helping out doing the uh, interviews that first year. And, yeah. and uh, his name was Colby Heaven. Okay. And so he sat down, and we kind of got him all relaxed and chilled out and everything. And, and uh, you know, you you have a, a kind of a criteria of questions that you use, and because of my involvement at U18, uh, I was kind of involved in the scholarship program nationally at the National Midget Championships, used to be called the Air Canada Cup. So I snagged those questions and we kind of use them. So when this, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty, I said to him, I says, Colby, what do you want to do when you get older? Older? He says, well, I want to be an embryo transplant specialist. I said, hold it. What the hell are you talking about? I said to him. Well, he says, can you give me that in layman's terms? He says, yeah, I want to artificially inseminate cows. Beautiful. Okay. So about, I don't know, six or seven years later, I get a phone call. This is a <laughs> calling from Whitecourt. He says, my son has a scholarship here. 
And so I told him the story. He couldn't believe this. I can tell you something. He says, he's going to vet college in Camos. So here's a kid at 14. Couldn't believe it. It was just a tremendous story. So that kind of makes that whole scholarship program really a good thing mm-hmm. when you hear stuff like that. And, you know, you helped a young man further his education with a few bucks and stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, that's probably one of my highlight stories of the scholarship program. Bobby Olenek with us on uh, Sports 1440. Uh, so, Bob, just run down the, uh, the – it's all at Collingwood Twin Arenas. Games basically yeah. running, you know, side by 10 side. 10 o'clock in the morning till 5.30 at night. We start the last games, and, and uh, we have 14 teams playing. And, uh, you know, uh, it's a lot of fun for the players, yeah. uh, the parents, the grandparents especially. You know, I got a couple friends who've got that, you know – I've been around too long, I guess, and you know, guys that I grew up with, and we had a few pops at the lake, and yeah. they're, now their grandsons are playing. And hey, are you still here? Come on! <laughs> and they come and visit me upstairs. We have a an office up there, and they come and visit, and we have a chit chat, yeah. and you know, and it's good. Uh, you know, like it's all about Christmas. It's all about family. Uh, you know, it's nice to have an opportunity to keep them off the computers and mm-hmm. off the cell phones and stuff like that and stay active between Christmas and New Year's. Because, I mean, there's a lot of things out there that, you know, they just sit around. And, you know, that's I think it's important to they, they stay active, yeah. you know, and get ready for the New Year. So it's not overbearing. I mean, they play one game a day. Uh, we end on Boxing or Christmas Eve. And, yeah. uh, I'm home out of there by 4.30 at night. And, you know, we ward all the hardware, and mm-hmm. the, the winning team gets Timex watches. So that's something that we initiated a long, long time ago through a connection I got through Timex. And, uh, you know, a lot of things have happened over the years. I mean, I have a lot of uh, people that I know in in industries that support us through advertising in our program. And the media supports us pretty good. And, I mean, there's been quite a a changed role in the media world. And so... You know, we don't get as good a support as we used to get, but we still get some, and I certainly appreciate having the opportunity today to speak mm-hmm. with you because you and I go back. We go back a long ways, don't we, Bobby? Well, before dirt. <laughs> yeah. How, how much you know, uh, How kuchia did you have over on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day? Not much. No? No, I'm kind of just about out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like we had a very, uh, very quiet uh, Christmas Day, actually. Yeah. And Christmas Eve was with my family, and uh, Boxing Day I was in the rink setting it up. And yesterday I was in the rink early, and I got home the last guy out of the barn last night, and mm-hmm. I'm basically getting ready to head out pretty quick here, to head down there for yeah. the, today's action. Like we've already started here at ten o'clock this morning. We've got two games on the ace right now, and they roll all day. And I mean, we have a website uh, that everything's on our website, you know. Okay. Well, we appreciate your time this morning, Bobby O. And again, uh, as we said, we go back a long way. And, uh, you know, you've done so much for the city hockey-wise. All your volunteer work is doesn't go unnoticed. And uh, so I just wanted to let our listeners know that uh, Bobby O is top-notch when it comes to being involved in the community and doing all of the, uh, the uh, volunteer work for, again, under 18, and this is under 15, but... Uh, Top top notch for you, Bobby, to be a part of everything in our city. Well, you know, I I appreciate that. I mean, uh, I had a you know, I, uh, you know, it was wonderful. Uh, you know, like I you know, I got inducted this summer yep. to the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. That was quite an honor, and uh, you know, I was very proud of that. And my whole family was there to see it, so it was pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I guess that's a, the thanks that you get for what you time you put in is that you know that's how it works. You know. Yep. 
that's that's the game and uh you know we all have had fun doing it met a lot of people had a lot of great times did a lot of things you know i mean the game is changing drastically as you know uh from the size of the players to the speed of the players to the strength of the players uh to the uh, academies all over yeah. the world that are pushing the buttons to to believe that the hockey players are going to be formed by going to academy you know, you are what you are, and you get there if you're supposed to get there, and that's my belief, and I've always had that belief. Well, I'm going to just share a quick text with you uh, from, a, well, a mutual friend, I guess. This is coming in from Mike Paulinchuk, a true minor hockey legend. Oh, he played for me. Yeah, and my old coach. Uh, congrats on his Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame. Great guest. Well done. That's uh, Paulie. Uh, yeah, big Mike. I can remember Big Mike. He was one winger. Oh. And just Troy Lupo. Yeah. Brian Lupo was the other winger. And I had a little short guy by the name of Troy Jacobson who lit it up in North Dakota when he got mm. there after he played AJHL. And he was a little guy. He played in the middle. And what a, guy, what a line, eh? Yeah. Two great big stallions. And those guys were six foot and poor Troy was five foot zero. Paulie <laughs> was a big, big load, wasn't he? Oh, a big guy. And I knew his dad and mom very well. Yeah. You know, the parents were wonderful. And a small sidelight thing. Yeah. Mike's mother and my aunt were best friends when they were young. <laughs> so my aunt is long past, but it's good. So it's all good. The hockey was great to me, and I've had a great time. Bobby, thanks for coming on. Good luck with the tournament. Maybe we'll see you down at Collingwood here in the next few days. Thanks, Anytime, buddy. you know, just let me know. You know where I hang out, second floor. <laughs> you betcha, baby. Thanks. Thanks. Okay, buddy. Have a great day. Yeah, you Bye-bye. too. That's uh, Bobby Olenek. Uh, Bobby O, they call him. Uh, just a mainstay in the Edmonton hockey community. Uh, thanks for Paulie for sending that uh, text in. Mike Polinchuk was a. Oh, well, his son played for the Bears. That's Grayson. Grayson. He played yeah. for the Rebels, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Paulie, he and I played against each other. For <laughs> Brian Munns is here. Uh, we'll just get him uh, coming in uh, for a couple seconds here. Uh, hang on, Duke. Let's just go to break, and then I'll get I'll get Munzee in here. Uh, that is the uh, in the community for United Sport and Cycle again. Uh, Boxing Day week sales on right now. Uh, head to United Cycle uh, on um, Calgary Trail there, or whatever you call it. What's the other road now? Gateway Boulevard. Gateway Boulevard. And then the, the West End location now as well. Yes, so check out uh, everything at uh, United Cycle. Kelly Hodgson, one of the top guys in town as well. Uh, more on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 right after the break. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, 1046, and, you know, sometimes you get mall walkers in here, Duke, right? And <laughs> guys are walking around the mall, and a uh, guy knocks on the door, and it's Brian Munns. Uh, Munzee. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you guys as well. Is breakfast on or what's going on? (laughs) Well, we'll go over to Bubba Gump's where the Duke had the Christmas party last week. Nice. Just you and Connor. Yeah, just me and Connor. Everyone else, all the soft maybes turned a hard nose uh, pretty quickly uh, come Friday afternoon. So it was just Connor and I. First time going. So for you guys. <laughs> Brian Munns, uh, former, well, worked in the Edmonton media for a long time. Left in, what were you just saying, just after the Stanley Cup run? Left 20... after the Stanley, like literally two days after the Stanley Cup run. Yeah. And uh, went to Winnipeg. Yeah, went to Winnipeg, spent some time with the Moose, and then the NHL came back. Fortunate to be around the Jets for a number of years. Spent the last couple of years in the Western Hockey League yeah. with the Ice. Uh, Matt Savoy's Winnipeg Ice, mm-hmm. Zach Ostopchuk's Winnipeg Ice, the list goes on and on. Every time we came to Alberta, it was so cool because all the parents could jump on board and everybody knows that follows the Oil Kings around. You yeah. can get down to Red Deer, you can watch Calgary, 
So it was always a really fun weekend for mm-hmm. everybody involved. My in-laws are here. That's obviously why we're here for the week, enjoying the holiday season with my son. And it, uh, it's fantastic here, yeah. So a couple days off right now? Yeah. Um, obviously, it's a uh, downtime. I'm working full-time for Golf Manitoba. Yeah doing uh, their PR and communications and getting out to see all the different golf courses around the province of Manitoba and to Northwest Ontario. So it, it worked hand in hand all the way through with hockey. And then when the ice moved to Wenatchee, obviously the hockey disappeared for a bit and now we're full-time golf. You would be the Kevin Smith of Manitoba. Is that yes. correct? Yeah. Kevin and I talk quite a bit actually. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Kevin Smith for, I mean, I worked at Global forever and Kevin Smith was the Global Calgary. Yes. Uh, and actually when I w- was working in Calgary, we basically started at the same time. We were just, uh, David Amber was on two weeks ago or, mm-hmm. or so. David Amber just started at TSN in Calgary back when I was in CFCN in Calgary. Okay. And Kevin Smith was just at, back then it was called Two and Seven. Right. Calgary Two and Seven. And then, so the three of us, we always golfed together at Springbank Links in Calgary because they were generous with the tea times. How's that <laughs> I was going to say, I yeah. know there's a deal coming in yeah. here somewhere. Yeah, they were generous with the tea times. So yeah. uh, so what's your role with Golf Manitoba then, basically? Yeah, you know? PR, communications, uh, outreach, helping to make sure that, you know, I think the biggest thing right now, and Kevin and I talk about it, you know, the provinces are similar where you want to get as many young golfers involved mm-hmm. in the game as you can because that's obviously your generation moving forward. And continuing to grow the game, if there's one positive out of COVID, and it's probably the only one, um, is golf crew, right? It was the one thing when everybody was kind of locked down that you could do. Kind of had to go do it by yourself for a little bit. Or you had your distancing, right? right? You know, But think about it. How many times would you and I have golfed back in Prince Albert or somewhere in the prairies that you're not that close to everybody all the time, except for when you're teeing off and putting. Yeah. So if you're aware of that scenario, it really opens the door for for a lot. And right now in Manitoba, I, I don't know what the numbers are like um, here in Alberta, but when we look at what's gone on through Winnipeg, Brandon, mm-hmm. and throughout the outreach of the entire province, golf's never been bigger. Yeah. More people are playing it's the great family thing where, you know, I can go out with my son, I can go out with my dad, and you've got someone who's 12 and someone who's 80, and mm-hmm. then me in the middle. Like, how else are you going to go out and spend five hours together at the same time doing something everybody loves? So we first met again in Saskatchewan, I guess, and that's going back a long ways. Mm-hmm. You were doing play-by-play for Melford Mustangs, Melford Nippon Hawks. Humble. You were in PA, yeah, yeah and covering the Lobster Golf Tournament in Sioux. Wasn't that a great tournament? That was the best week ever. In uh, so f- for those of you that don't know, in Waskasu, basically the, National Park. Yeah, the the golf course in Waskasu is a gem. People mm-hmm. don't really know a lot about it, and maybe if you don't go to Saskatchewan, you don't golf it, obviously. But it's almost similar to well, it's a Stanley Thompson design for one. Correct. So it is similar to what you would see at Jasper Park Lodge without the mountains. Yeah. It's very similar. So, but anyway, they had this tournament called the Lobstick, which, I mean, holy cow, the guys that played in the Lobstick, they were, I mean, the championship flight, these are these are great, great golfers. Yes. I mean, 300 players yep. get underway with qualifying on Monday, uh-huh. and then you whittle yourself down, they put you into flights, and uh-huh. you get eliminated as the week goes on, yep. and you try and get to Saturday. 
And for the you might have a few pops during the week as well. Well, there's a banquet and there's a little <laughs> bit of... Well, but, it was so important it, for us to get to know the golfers, right? Yes, we had to do so, a lot of that. CJVR is where you were working yeah. at Melfort. That was the station. I was working at CKBI, CIPA TV. Television. Television. So, but again, just a wonderful tournament and the media was treated well. We were treated well. And the challenge of that back in the day was there was no cell phones yet, right? Oh, yeah. So I think of the people that I was around. Mike Newmeyer was doing radio. Rod yeah. Peterson was doing radio. Mm-hmm. So the three of us would, or, you know, Mike and Rod were kind of separate because yeah. they filled in after each other. So the two of us, we'd ride around in a golf cart. But you had to race back like 10 minutes before 12 because you had to do the noon sports mm-hmm. over the phone from the pro shop. So we got to know the back roads of the golf course, and it was it was terrific. It was a great. Well, the event was great. The course was great. The people were great. And again, when you add when you when you throw in the variable of three hundred golfers, some that are you know shooting a hundred. They're not there to win. They're they're there to win the ninth flight, shooting one hundred and ten. Yeah. And again, it's all about the social aspect. You get a buddy of yours. You're all out in a cabin Mm -hmm. spending. Yeah. Three nights minimum together, and then the cabin kind of gets whittled down as the week goes on, and other strangers come walking through, and it's it's a ton of fun. Brian Munns, uh, generous enough to just to spend a couple of minutes just walking Spreading the mall. Spreading the holiday cheer. Just coming in. Yes. Uh, thanks for popping in, Munns. Hey, great to great. see you. This is awesome. Obviously, yeah. I was in sports radio for a long time mm-hmm. in Winnipeg, and uh, hats off for you guys to getting this off the ground. Uh, I know Greg's does a great job in the afternoon, and... It uh, it's fun. I listen to you guys in Winnipeg. I'll be on. I've texted you a yeah. few times. I'm driving my son to school. It yeah. uh, it's great to have sports radio in a city, obviously that I'm really close to. There was a void. Hundred uh, percent. We missed it. Uh, everyone missed it. There's and, voids and, all over Canada right now. Well, you're right about that. So hopefully, maybe something happens uh, mm-hmm. down the road with some other markets as well. That's right. So, uh, Brian Munns, former former Edmonton Roadrunner play by play man. How's that? Brown. Sound? Rob Brown was doing color. Rob Brown and I. That's where Brownie got his start. It's all my fault. <laughs> Brownie popped in too about a week and a half ago. He, he would have been popping. carrying a lot more bags than what I have, though. Oh yeah, Brownie was good. Uh, thanks a lot for All popping right, in, Munzee. Uh, thanks so much to our listeners today. We had a great for for just coming in, Duke. Kind of cold, but the Duke was here yesterday. It's not a bad show today. Uh, yeah, Kevin. It was, it's a great show. That interview with uh, Kenny and uh, and Ethan. Yeah. Uh, if anybody missed that in the nine o'clock hour, I strongly encouraged to go back and check that out. Uh, as always, every hour of the show can be found in podcast form on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you uh, wherever you do your thing in that regard. What a well-spoken young man Ethan Hallaby is. Yeah. I'm looking forward to going and checking that fight out. It's on the January 20th? 20th at the Cree. I asked him on their way out the door. I was like, where do I get my tickets? Because yeah. I want to see that kid in the ring after seeing him here <laughs> behind a mic. And again, you just think of how Kenny speaks so highly of him, and you see... Uh, the potential that's there. Oh, I'm I'm pumped to keep uh, keep closer tabs on Ethan moving and, forward. Uh, we, we have such a strong boxing community, and hopefully Ethan can uh, kind of carry that torch and move on in the future. Uh, thanks to Stephen Ellis from the Daily Face Off at 7:20. We had Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli, as we always do on Thursdays. Uh, Kenny Lacusta, Ethan Hallaby, with a, a special guest appearance in the uh, Sports 1440 Studios. Bobby Olenek and uh, Brett Hedekin, San Jose Sharks, the Oilers and Sharks tonight. Eight. 38.40 by the time we get things going tonight it'll be a jam-packed show tomorrow tomorrow morning so uh, thanks for everybody for listening uh, coming up at the top of the hour it is Fantasy Frenzy with the former Ross Shep T-Bird Connor Alley and the Duke of Delburn Brandon Douglas at 12 o'clock what's going on at 12? 
What's going on at 12? Special guest host of the lowdown today. Yesterday, Connor and I kind of split duties of uh, the lowdown without low tide, but it was just a best of show, so yeah. we didn't really have to do anything, just press some buttons. But Marty Stevens, uh, <laughs> supreme <laughs> commander of the CFCW Critters, sales manager for Stingray Edmonton. Well, I He's might just come in and heckle him. Sitting in the host chair for uh, for low tide for the next couple of days. And Brad Slater running the ones and twos for him as well. I, I think we're just going to heckle him. Let's just come <laughs> just in. Just sit here and bang yeah. on the glass. Yeah, like an air horn, just like, you know, or maybe a mirror in his eyes with the light or something like that. Uh, two o'clock. So Gregor's off again. So how does this work? How do you and I and Connor and Declan and everyone's working, but Gregor's not this week? Well, Declan is off this week as well, oh. uh, but he had he's traveling back to Saskatchewan uh, to visit some yeah. family. Um, so a little bit more understandable. But yeah, Gregor uh, taking a couple extra days. Hmm. And uh, so yeah, it'll be the Connor Halley edition of the Jason Gregor show. And a long couple days for yours truly <laughs> yeah, here so behind this board. You're doing like 10 hours no, Actually, straight? you know what I have to do today and tomorrow? Uh-huh. I have to do Connor's regular job of the J- during the Jason yeah. Greger show and Declan's at the same time. The, the YouTube stream and the regular, you know, terrestrial AM airwaves job of pressing Is the buttons like here. Is there some extra compensation here or what's going on? Uh, yeah. Oh, oh okay. for sure. Yeah, no, yeah. I've been uh, I've been very uh, the the holiday season has been kind uh, from both uh, from both yourself and Jason. So no complaints <laughs> uh, from me by any stretch. All right, uh, top of the hour. It is fantasy frenzy. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, we're back tomorrow, seven o'clock. We'll uh, have a post game report from the Oilers in San Jose Sharks uh, tonight again, eight forty puck drop our time. Uh, top of the hour. It is uh, fantasy frenzy. Before that, here's the Duke with a sports fourteen forty update.